Hey, good morning and welcome. Great to see you here. Thanks so much for making River Glen part of your, uh, part of your weekend, part of your Sunday. Hey, a uh, question uh, for you. You ever done something and you look back on it maybe months later, maybe years later, and uh, you think, you know, I can't believe I did that. That just seems really crazy. You know, I've, I've felt that way about many things, but one stands out. Many, many uh, years ago, before River Glen, I worked for a church down in, in western Kentucky. Great church, growing church. I was an associate minister there and really, really loved it, loved the people. The church was, was growing. It, they bought a mall and it was really exciting and, and innovative and great to be part of it. We had great friends. Marnie and I had great friends in the church. We loved our small group. We loved our house. It was right next to the school where our daughter Taylor uh, would attend, and I loved our taxes. Uh, our property taxes were $50 a month. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was great. We lived a very comfortable life. But then Marnie and I decided to just walk away from all of that. And one weekend, we got a U-Haul truck. We loaded it up. We put everything that we owned in there. And we moved from Kentucky to Wisconsin to plant a new church around the Milwaukee area that would be called uh, River Glen. But we didn't know where. And so we just landed in this apartment in West Dallas, no, 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 no church helping us out, no building, no people, no friends. We just kind of parachuted in. And I look back on that now and I think that was kind of crazy. That was kind of risky. I think all of us have a story of doing something crazy. And many of the stories are probably when we're younger because, you know, when we're younger, we don't tend to think about the consequences. We just take a, a risk. But many of us, as we get older, we make a shift and we take fewer risks or we stop taking risk. Instead of taking risk, we build our life around safety and security, and we settle in. But you know what we still love to talk about? The good old days when we took risk because we just come alive, you know, talking about it. Remember, remember when we did that? Because there's something inside of us. God put something in us. He wired us in such a way that we long to take a risk and make an impact and be part of something bigger than ourselves. And you know what? The same, the same uh, process happens with churches. A new church begins and, you know, everybody's really fired up about reaching new people for, for Jesus. We don't really even think about failure because we're excited and God is in it. And the new church grows because of the risk that we take. But then over time, many, many churches settle in and, 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 get take, and settle for comfort and playing it safe and focusing on maintaining and reminiscing about the, about the good old days. But something inside of us longs to take a risk for the mission of Jesus instead of focusing on the past. And so for about the last 18 months, our staff and leaders have been discussing and, and praying together because we've sensed this stirring in our, in our hearts that God isn't finished working in us and through us. And we started praying and asking, God, what's next for us? What's next for us? And after a season of prayer, we decided to take a big step of faith and begin a new season of ministry that we're calling Unfinished. Last week, I talked about the why that drives Unfinished. We looked at three stories that Jesus told from Luke chapter 15 that all make this point that God loves lost people. Now, if I said that you're a lost person, that might seem insulting. But the truth is, all of us know what it's like to be lost, spiritually speaking. If you've ever, you know, wrestled with what is the purpose of my life, or if you've ever felt like something is missing in your life, or if you've ever experienced guilt or regret or wondered, you know, I wonder what it's going to be like 
in the afterlife. If you've wrestled with any of those issues, you know how it feels to be lost. The good news is God loves lost people. And that's why Jesus came. And because God loves lost people, we should too. So we decided that why is going to drive our next season of ministry. And we decided we're going to focus on three areas of our church the next couple of years. Unfinished people, unfinished church, and unfinished mission. These areas in- encompass our general ministry of River Glen Church, which is anything but general, as well as launching an online campus and a regional campus located 15 to 30 minutes away from here and increasing our investment in church planting by starting a brand new church in Pittsburgh, in the Pittsburgh area next uh, fall. Now, if you'd like to find out more about the unfinished vision, it can be found in total by going to our website, uh, at weareunfinished.cc. Make sure you go there and check it out. A lot of great information and, and, and videos there. Or by looking through the first few pages of the booklet, the unfinished booklet that we uh, handed out last week. Our staff did just a fantastic job with this. If you didn't, if you didn't get one last week, be sure to stop at the unfinished hub and, and pick one up on your uh, way out. Now, speaking of that last item that I mentioned, planting a new church in Pittsburgh. I just can't gloss over that one. Because this involves a step of faith of one of our own. And so to kick off week number two of Unfinished, I've asked Brandon Stevenson to come on up and share with us what he and his wife Danielle are going to be working on for the next few months. We announced last weekend that they're going to be moving to Pittsburgh in in January to begin uh, starting a new church community in the Pittsburgh area. So uh, let's, let's welcome Brandon. He's going to tell us about it. Well, good morning, guys. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. It is good to be with you all. And, and the news is out. You've heard that uh, Danielle, the boys, and I are heading back to Pittsburgh to plant this new church. And uh, it's pretty crazy. And some of you uh, is maybe surprised. Uh, some of you maybe saw it coming. And some of you are like, you know, finally, you can stop talking about how much he likes that place. You just go live there. So uh, that's what we're doing. Um, but I'll be honest. You know, Danielle and I have known we were going to be doing this for a while. Uh, and we, we were working on it, you know, kind of behind the scenes. But last week when, when Ben shared that and the video played and it kind of became really public all of a sudden, we kind of had this moment like, oh, wow, we're really going to do this. And it was kind of terrifying. Like, this is kind of crazy. It was a scary moment. And the question can be why. Why are we doing this? Because I have a really good role here at Riverland, which I love. And I love being a part of this amazing church. Uh, We have friends here. It's comfortable. Our kids were born here, and they're growing up and making friends. And and sure, we're going to be closer to family, but they're still going to be an hour, hour and a half away from us. And we're moving into this community where we have no friends, no place to live yet, and we're starting this church from scratch. So why are we doing this? I think because we have to. I think God has been leading us to this. In fact, we've experienced this thing throughout the years uh, called Prevenient Grace. And prevenient grace is this, this experience where God is working ahead of us and we just catch up to where he's already at. We may not see it yet, we may not see what he's doing, but we are just catching up to where he's already been working. And that's what we've experienced. Case in point, it started when I was 21 years old as an intern at a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was interning in youth ministry because that was my passion, that's what I wanted to do. And my mentor out there, Travis Fox, was getting ready to go start a brand new church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, that was the first time I've ever heard of church planning. It was kind of foreign to me. And so for a year, I kind of got to learn about what it was and why he was doing it and just seeing how God was working through that. And I thought it was great for him, 
wasn't going to be my thing. I was going to do youth ministry until I was 80 years old. That was my goal. But before I left Las Vegas, he kind of sat me down and said, hey, man, I want you to think about church planning one day. I think you'd be good at it. I think uh, it's something you should consider. And I took it as a compliment, but that's kind of all it was. It was a compliment because I wasn't going to do that. Uh, Fast forward a little bit. I I went back from Vegas, married Danielle. We graduated from college. And then this church, River Glen Christian Church in warm, sunny Wisconsin, uh, decided to hire me as the youth pastor a little over seven years ago. And uh, I was really excited about that. But wouldn't you know it, seven months in, this guy over here, lead pastor Ben Davis, decides to put this ridiculous vision out there of that River Glen's going to plant five new churches in 10 years. And you see the provenient grace starting to happen? And I, and I sit back and go, okay, this is crazy. Here's more church planning here. And I, and I thought, you know, this is cool. It would be exciting to kind of see how this happens. We'll be a part of just planting all these churches and seeing God's kingdom grow. And then the churches start getting planted. And that seed that was in Vegas started growing because uh, the first church we planted, Legacy Christian Church in Menominee Falls, Jared uh, Walker, the lead pastor there, uh, actually shared my office with me for a few months. And so I got to sit front row to hear all the work he was doing on it and just hearing what the vision behind it. And all of a sudden, my entrepreneurial spirit just started kind of just churning. And I just started thinking about this idea of church planting more and more. And throughout the years, I had friends and mentors mention this idea of church planting to me and, and, and challenge me to consider it and pray about it. And that seed that was planted was growing into this big passion to really look into church planting. And so Danielle and I start praying about it. We start getting serious about looking into it. And we approached Ben and the elders about the idea that we're interested in church planting. And right away, they were like, absolutely, we're in, we're on board, and we want to be partners with you in this. And so we knew, though, if we were going to do this, there was only one city on this planet we were going to do it in, and that was Pittsburgh. Now, we love Milwaukee and the Milwaukee area. We love being here, but Pittsburgh's home. Pittsburgh's our passion, and we desire to see God's kingdom expand and to be a part of that there in that area. And so we started down this road to plant a church in Pittsburgh, and Ben actually had a connection to a pastor there that he knew and said I should connect with because he could be a good partner for me. And so early this year, I'm going to Pittsburgh, I'm going to meet this pastor for the first time, and I am freaking out, thinking, this guy's not going to like me. I'm talking to Danielle on the way there. I'm like, I've got to convince him to like me. He's got to get on board. I need this. Like, almost just doubting that God's not already going to take care of it to begin with. And so I'm freaking out. I go to this restaurant where we're meeting, and I go, and he has a, a staff member from his church with him. And it just so happens that staff member, he and I went to school together. <laughs> And then I sit down, and I'm a little more comfortable then, and I'm building up the courage to give him my sales pitch and my spiel, and I start giving it, and he's like, hey, hold up. Save your sales pitch. I don't need it. I'm in. I have been praying for a new church planner. Uh, yeah. um, he says, I have been praying for a new church planner in Pittsburgh for years, and you're him. We're in. On top of that, he told me about this money that, uh, of a church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'd heard about this, but there was money there earmarked for a church plant in Pittsburgh. And he's the one who had access to it, which was awesome. And he said, I'm going to get this money for you. I think it's going to be like $50,000. I'm like, this is even more awesome. That's a lot of money. Uh, you need money to start a church. And so here's the kicker. That church was East 91st Christian Church uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. One of the churches that helped plant River Glen Christian Church almost 20 years ago. And it, exactly, you see the provenient grace now. And it wasn't $50,000, it was $109,000, and it's being used to plant a church in Pittsburgh now uh, because I said yes to what God was preparing us uh, to do. 
You see, even though it's scary, even though it's risky, we're going because God's already in it. And that's what this unfinished thing's all about. It's scary, it's risky, it's gonna take all of us out of our comfort zone, but here's the thing. Just like God has been working in this church plant, he has been working unfinished before we even got here. And he's gonna be in it, we can trust him in that. You see, we're all gonna miss you very much and we've loved our time here. But I don't wanna stay comfortable. I wanna go to where God is preparing me and my family to be for a long time. I wanna be there, because that's where he's at for us. And that's why we're going. Thanks for listening. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? You know, Brandon and Danielle stepping out in faith, and God's already providing for them. And uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so exciting to watch that new church birth and grow uh, next uh, year. So we're praying over these next few weekends, up until Commitment Weekend, November 12th and 13th, that literally 100% of us would go on this unfinished journey and commit to radical generosity like, like never before for the sake of the mission of making more and better followers of, of Jesus. Speaking of that, I want to remind you, if you're a, a volunteer in our church, if you're a leader in our church, or anybody here that would like to lead out and make their commitment to Unfinished Early, we're having a special event next Sunday night called Advanced Commitment Night at the Milwaukee Art Museum. And you can RSVP to uh, weareunfinished.cc. Now, this is going to be one of those worship experiences that we're never going to forget. I mean... How many times in life do you get a chance to go to a, a first class, you know, art museum and have a uh, worship uh, service? The, the team tells me, I've not been there, but the team tells me that it's going to be really awesome. They're gonna, they're gonna, we're going to have a private showing uh, later in, in the evening. They're going to open and close uh, the wings, and uh, you don't want to miss it. So you can go ahead right now, and you get out your phone. i got my phone out here, and uh, I'm giving you permission in church to take out your phone and use it, and uh, go ahead and RSVP. Or you can use the Connect card in the chair back in front of you and just write Advanced Commitment in the comment section, and we'll uh, sign you up. Um, we've got child care. We've got dessert. And uh, come on out. It's going to be a great, great night. It's going to be a highlight on the unfinished uh, journey. Now, last weekend, if you were here, I described unfinished. And I said, it is a faith journey with God. And so today, I want to talk about that. I want to unpack that because this word faith can be very confusing. So I want to talk about faith, okay? What does it mean to go on a faith uh, journey? And my goal today is that I want everybody here to take a faith step in some uh, way. Now, I want to start out, I want to tell you what faith is not, okay? First of all, faith is not just positive thinking. There's this idea in our culture that if you just channel your thoughts and energy in a positive direction, that good things will happen. Like after the football game, you know, they go interview the player and they say, you know, how'd you do it? How'd you win? And he says, well, it was just faith, man. You know, we just had, we just had faith. In other words, you know, we believed that we could win. We had, we had confidence. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's value in that. But faith is much more than just positive thinking. And then second, faith is not just getting what I want from God. If you watch some preachers, maybe some TV preachers, you'll get this idea. You might get this idea that if you have enough faith, if you have strong enough faith, you can get God to do Anything that you want him to do, that faith, if you have enough faith, that you can just kind of pull God, you know, in your direction and make him do things that he would never otherwise do. You lose your job on Friday, you pray all weekend with strong enough faith. On Monday, you get a new job. On Tuesday, you own the company. Wouldn't that be great? I want some of that. You get your car breaks down. You, you know, you don't, you don't pray just, just for, for help. 
okay? You, you tell God, you pray in faith and ask God for the model car that you want. And don't forget to tell him the color, okay? And uh, if you have enough faith, you'll have a red Corvette or whatever the car of your dreams in your, in your uh, driveway. That would be awesome if it worked that way, right? You know, I want some of that. But faith is not maneuvering. It's not manipulating God. It's, it's not pulling God in our direction to make him do things that he would never otherwise do. And then faith, third, faith is not just believing in God. 94, 94% of people say they believe in the existence of God. They have some belief, but that is not faith. There's a verse in the New Testament that says even the demons believe in the existence of God. And so faith is much more than just belief. And then fourth, faith is not our circumstances. Many people have circumstantial faith, probably all of us to a degree. We base our faith on our ability to see God work in our circumstances. We base our faith on making sense, our ability to make sense out of our circumstances. And so if things go good, you know, the way we want them to go, we're cool with God. But if things don't turn out the way that we want, you know, we're mad, confused, we have doubts about God, which leads to a very fragile faith because circumstances go up and down and we allow circumstances to decide our faith rather than putting our faith in God. So what is faith? What is biblical faith? I want to show you a great definition of faith. It comes from the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, located near the end of the New Testament. It comes from Hebrews chapter 11, which is one of the most powerful chapters in the entire Bible. In fact, this chapter is often called the Faith Hall of Fame because it just lists these characters that put their faith in God rather than circumstances. The chapter begins with this definition. Verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This word faith here literally means to put your trust, to put, to put all your weight into something or someone. For example, I could say that, you know, I believe in this stool right here, okay? But uh, I'm, I don't have, I'm not putting my faith in it because right now I'm trusting in my legs, Right Now I can come over here and I can kind of do this. And I still haven't really put my faith into it because I'm trusting in my legs and the stool. Here's what New Testament faith looks like. You put all your weight, all your trust into Jesus Christ. See, belief is an opinion, okay? And it may be a strong opinion, but faith is trusting in that opinion with all your weight. And then the next word here is the word hope. And uh, when we think of hope here, it, it, it's not wishful thinking, you know, oh, I hope I get what I want. And it's not uh, circumstances, I hope things turn out the way that I want. No, here's what hope means in scripture. It means deep certainty. Deep certainty that God is good and he's gonna do everything that he's promised to do for you. Deep certainty that Jesus died on the cross, raised from the grave, and he, Jesus is going to do everything that he's promised to do for you. And then this word assurance here, it means that you actually build your life on your faith. Not just, you know, positive thinking, not just when circumstances are good, not just believing God exists. You take a risk and you build your life on your trust that Jesus is going to do everything that he promised to do for you. And then in verse 6, the writer of Hebrews tells us about the importance of faith. And this is so, so important. I want to ask you if you would read this out loud 
with me. On the count of three. One, two, three. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That means if you want to please God, if you want to honor God, you want to put a smile on God's face, you want to receive the full blessings and provisions and rewards that God has for you, it's not going to happen without faith. You got to have faith, not just an opinion about God, not just belief in God. You have to take a risk and trust that God's going to do everything that he's promised to do for you. And then the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 talks about people, this list of people, this faith hall of fame of these people who took the risk and put their faith in God. I want to show you a couple of these. The first one here is Noah. You've probably heard about Noah. By faith, it says, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Long before it started raining, Noah builds an ark Because God promised that he would send a flood and save his family. And so Noah trusted that God would do exactly what he promised uh, to do. It's interesting here. It says holy fear motivated Noah. We don't tend to talk about holy fear or good fear in church. But think of it this way. What you fear the most in life reveals what you value the most. And so if your uh, greatest fear is losing your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiancé, then your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance is what you value the most. If your greatest fear is losing your job, your job is what you value the most. If your greatest fear is losing money, then financial security is what you value the most. Noah valued God the most. And that's why Noah built the ark. See, holy fear, it didn't paralyze him. No, it motivated him to do something bold and courageous and to be willing to trust God to do everything that he promised that he would do. The next example in the Faith Hall of Fame is a guy by the name of Abraham. And I want you to see this faith step that Abraham took. It says it was faith that made Abraham offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice when God put Abraham to the test. Abraham was the one to whom God had made the promise, yet he was ready to offer his only son as a sacrifice. God had said to him, it is through Isaac that you will have descendants, uh, the the descendants I promised. Now, that that, that test was surprising for several reasons. One reason is because Abraham's very old at this point. He's 125 years old, and he's already done a lot for God. God had asked him to leave his home, and Abraham left his home and followed God. And Abraham waited a very long time. He waited patiently for years and years for God to give him this this, this son, Isaac, that he promised uh, to, to, to bless the world through the descendants of Isaac. And so Abraham's already done a lot. But God isn't finished with Abraham. And it's also surprising, this test, because God says to Abraham, take your one and only son, Isaac, and go up this mountain and offer him as a burnt sacrifice. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? That's hard to hear. But I want you to try to picture this scene in your minds. And I want you to think about the amazing faith that Abraham shows. Abraham doesn't delay. Abraham, you know, doesn't beg God for more time. Abraham doesn't wait for God to ask him to do this a second time. Abraham obeys. And here's why. 
because Abraham fully trusted God's promise. God promised that many descendants would come through Isaac and they would bless the world. And so even though he didn't understand how God would do it, Abraham trusted that God will keep his promise to bless Isaac. God will make a way. God will work this out. Look at the amazing faith of Abraham as he leaves with Isaac to make this sacrifice. Look at what Abraham says to his servant. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there to make the sacrifice. We will worship and then we, plural, both of us will come back to you. His confidence in God never wavers. He keeps his faith the whole time, even though Abraham was human and he wondered the same things that you and I would, would, would wonder. And then as Abraham and Isaac go up the mountain, Isaac realizes, okay, we got the wood, you know, to, 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 to burn the sacrifice. We got the knife for the animal. But then he realizes we don't have a lamb. And he says, Dad, where's the lamb? And again, Abraham doesn't know how God We'll do it, but he, he tells Isaac, God will provide a lamb for the burnt sacrifice. And so they reach the place on the mountain, but there's no lamb. And so Isaac builds an altar, he arranges the wood, and he lays his son Isaac on the altar. He reaches out, he takes a knife, and he raises his hand. And at the last moment, an angel from heaven calls out and says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, Lord. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham, look at this. He called that place, the Lord will provide. God provided for Abraham. God kept his promise. Now I, I know, I mean that... That had to be a very difficult, I'm sure that was a very difficult step of faith for Abraham and Isaac as they went up that mountain together. But I want you to think about how they felt when they go back down that mountain uh, together because they, would, they had much deeper faith and, and peace. They were able to relax knowing that God always keeps his promises. God always provides for those who trust in him. And you know what? You can relax too because God will never ask you to do that kind, of, that kind of sacrifice. God wants you to love your kids and protect your kids. But God is calling you to take a step of faith. God is calling you to take a risk and trust that he will do everything that he promises to do for you. A friend of mine came up with this chart that really helped me understand my faith a little better, and maybe this will help you as well. It's called the faith continuum. And over here is faith, trusting God to do what he has promised uh, to do. And then over here is not unbelief or disbelief, but control. I find that many people, many of us, what we struggle with is not disbelief. We struggle with uh, control. And, and what's interesting is many people say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in, in Jesus, but, but, but they live, you know, over here. I mean, if, you, if your life is no different now than before you started following Jesus, then you're living over here. 
Now, there are many factors that can uh, cause us to live over here, like fear. You know, we're afraid of something. You know, what if this happens? What if, what, if, what if that happens? Fear keeps us over here or hurt. Maybe you've gone through some painful circumstances. Maybe somebody has hurt you in some way and you develop some trust issues. And maybe you transfer that to God. You blame God. You don't trust God. And so you maintain control. And then third, we don't like to really talk about this one, but pride can cause us to maintain control. Pride leads us to say, God, I can do a better job running my life than you can do. God, I believe in you, but I'm not trusting in you. And here's what God wants to do. God wants to help us move from control over to this side over here, over to the faith side. And what's interesting is that there's fear over here. Noah had fear, right? Abraham, I'm sure, had fear about sacrificing his son. Brandon mentioned that he's got some fear about stepping out in faith and and going to Pittsburgh to plant a new church. See, faith is not the absence of fear. It's not allowing fear to paralyze us. And same thing with hurt. You know, maybe you had a bad experience in life. Maybe somebody did something painful to you and you've got some, some questions or maybe you've got some, you know, uncertainty or, 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 or you, wonder, you wonder why. But you can still have faith while you figure that out. Many of you know that my wife is, is going through some treatment right now, uh, treatment for, for cancer, for breast cancer. And many of you have prayed for her and we appreciate that so much. Those prayers are are helping. They're making a difference. And the support has just been uh, amazing and such a comfort to us. So thank you. Thank you uh, for that. But she's in the middle of going through chemo right now. And sometimes she has questions. You know why? What's God's purpose in this? Sometimes I have questions about it. We don't have it all figured out. We don't have it all figured out. But that doesn't affect our, our, our faith. That doesn't affect her faith. You can have questions and faith at the same time. You can have questions and grow your faith at the same time, which leads into this last part, which is humility. Humility means we get to the place where we really trust God and we say, God, you can do a much better job running my life than I can. God, I don't, I don't have it all figured out, but I fully trust in your character. I fully trust in your promises. And when we live over on the faith side, God promises to bless and reward us with greater peace and joy and better relationships and marriages and families and provisions and blessings that just go way beyond our imagination. And so here's my question. Where, where are you? Where are you on this faith continuum? And what is the next step, the next faith step that God wants you to take? You know, for some of you here, you know, maybe you're new to River Glen. Maybe this is all kind of new to you. And your next step is to come back next weekend and continue on this unfinished journey with us. Maybe for others of you, your next step is for you to join a short-term, unfinished small group. Stop at the information center. We've got a list of all the groups. Go to one of those. Or just show up on Thursday night. We've got unfinished, short-term groups meeting here, and you can join one of those. That's your next step. For some of you, maybe you believe in Jesus. Maybe you've attended church for for, for quite some time, but when you look at this faith continuum, you know, you're living over here, you know, because you've never really put your trust in the one who gave his life and, and uh, uh, paid for your sins by going to the cross and rising from the grave. Maybe your next step is to say, God, I'm giving you my life today. God, I'm, I'm done trusting in myself. I'm putting my trust 
in Jesus. Next weekend, we're going to have the baptistry filled up and heated up and, and ready to go for anybody that would like to get baptized. You know, maybe, uh, maybe some of you, I want to challenge you, if you believe in Jesus and you have never expressed your faith in baptism, I would say that part of your faith is unfinished. And that's your next step. Baptism is going to affirm and strengthen your faith. And you know what? We would just love to baptize you uh, next weekend. We've got everything that, that you need. There's a card in the program. Just fill that out. Put it in the offering bag later on in the service. Or stop by. I'll, I'd love to talk with you in the lobby if you have any questions. Now, unfinished is going to be exciting. Because we have the opportunity to take faith steps. In an area of life where many people struggle with control. And that's this area of generosity. We have many people in the church that have, that have taken steps of faith in their life in this area and yet still declare themselves as unfinished and, and want to take another step of faith and trust God in this new unfinished uh, journey. We've got one couple in the church, Leo and Becky Spicala, that, that we uh, captured on video because we want you to hear from them. So would you take a look at the screens? Uh, we're, we're Leo and Becky Spicala, and we've been coming to River Glen here for two and a half years. We both felt that when we came here, we were at home. People were just amazingly um, kind, and we just felt at home. That's all, you know, the only way I can explain it. And so I think naturally then we just proceeded to um, start serving in, in other ways. And it's, it's just been a great fit, and we're very happy here. This is actually the first time uh, that a church, we've actually been involved with a church that is doing something and growing uh, by leaps and bounds like River Glen is. And it's really awesome to be a part of it. I mean, I actually feel very honored that we are a part of this. You know, we're a part of the giving and, and seeing the growth and it's really exciting. And I think, you know, sometimes churches are afraid to do this or fail at doing it, but um, I think we both believe um, that it will go somewhere and we're very excited about it. I think that giving is actually a, a test of your faith and your trust in God. And um, there was a time earlier in my Christian walk where I did tithe, okay. Um, but I had fallen away from that. Um, I had gone through a bad marriage and a divorce. And what that left me with was a lot of skepticism and a lot of, um, you know, kind of a, lack of trust and that also carried over into my relationship with God and at the same time I don't know if I felt I was punishing God or what I was doing but my tithing had fallen off um, and then when I met Becky um, started to date Becky we talk about these issues and she would say to me with great confidence you need to tithe and I'd be like yeah right okay um, you know I know you are a single woman and I want, you know, are you tithing or are you just saying that to me, okay? And uh, it just so happened we had gone shopping one time and by accident she left her checkbook in my vehicle. And I picked that checkbook up and I looked at it and I'm like, hmm, I got to get this back to her, okay? But then I held it and I thought, oh, I could look in there. But I thought, hmm, that's impolite. And I thought, I best not. And I thought, eh, what the heck, right? So I opened up your checkbook and I look and it had, you know, groceries, groceries, 
church tithe. And I'm like, groceries? I'm looking at these check receipts, groceries, church tithe, church tithe, church tithe. I'm seeing thousands of dollars given to church and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is for real. She's serious about this. She really means this, okay? And I was so skeptical and so damaged from what I had come through that I recognized that, that this is for real and it was a good testimony of truth and, and of, of her um, encouraging me that you need to get right with God, you need to tithe. And since that time I've remedied that and I'm back on board and I am tithing and it's been quite a blessing. Now if I was to say something to somebody who had been hurt, okay, or hurt by the church and, and, and they were skeptical about giving, all right, I would say that a church is made up of a whole group of imperfect people, okay? We're all sinners. We've all fallen, fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? And it may be that some of those people that you've had contact with in the past have hurt you. But that doesn't change our relationship to God. So if you've been hurt, I would say, turn your focus not towards the people that are around you that have injured you and hurt you, but turn your focus up towards God and say, what about my relationship with you and what is right with you? That's what I would tell them. You know, it's, it's a matter of it's a matter of faith and commitment. You know, are, are, are you all in on this or not? Are you really serious about what the church is doing? And do you join with that? And if you do, well then you should follow with your finances to back that up. And that's what we're really all facing. When God blesses you because you gave back to Him, the blessings um, actually show you how grand wonderful and loving God really is. He is just bigger than we can ever imagine and His love is overwhelming. It actually opens up a whole new level of uh, trust with God um, and it's, it's very exciting just to see what God can do and it's been proven in my life and in ours together too just by trusting God and giving and He will provide and sometimes it's like you don't even know where the money comes from. Why, why do I still have why do I still have? And I'm giving more. It doesn't make sense, but it's God, and it's really incredible. As you're a Christian long enough, you'll start to see the blessings, and you'll see God's hand. And I, and I look at it, and I, I call it like a, a God sighting. You start to identify, and you can see God's hand, and it is miraculous. And if you stay open to them, Right, you will eventually see them, and He will deliver, and it's pretty cool, and it really strengthens faith. I'm Leo. And I'm Becky. And, and we, we are, are Unfinished. unfinished. Let's give Leo and Becky a big hand. That's a great story, and I really appreciate them, them sharing. You know, Leo and Becky stepped out in faith, and God's provided for them. Unfinished is a great opportunity for more of us to move from control over to faith in this area of generosity. And God promises that he is going to bless us with joy and, and, and peace and, and, and provisions. Maybe for some of you, you'll start giving for the first time during Unfinished. Leo and Becky mentioned tithing. Tithing is taking a step of faith and giving back to God 
the first 10% of your income. The word tithe is actually a mathematical term. It means a tenth. Some of you are going to try tithing. And you're going to see God bless and provide like never before during unfinished. Maybe some of you already tithe. And you're going to take an even greater step of faith as Leo and Becky are now planning to do with unfinished. Maybe some of you will sell an investment to make an investment. Maybe you keep storing up, you know, more and more. And your step of faith is to give part of that investment as an investment in God's work through unfinished. What is your step of faith? What's your next step of faith? And I want you to know I'm not just challenging you. I'm challenging myself. And I'll share more with you later on in this series how God is leading Marnie and I to respond. But we're stepping out in faith along with you. And I look forward to seeing God provide just like God provided for Abraham and Isaac. This week as I studied that story of Abraham and, and, and how he almost sacrificed his son, it reminded me of another father and son that we remember every weekend during, community, during communion. Jesus carried the, that wooden cross to a place called Golgotha. We couldn't see him, but God was with him every step of the way. But when it was time for that sacrifice, the son was not spared. The book of Romans says God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Jesus goes to the cross, and when that hammer is raised, there's no voice from heaven that keeps it from, from falling. There was no substitute for the substitute. And the son was not spared, and the father has to witness and endure the agonizing death of his son on the cross. God did that because he loves you and me. Look at the rest of this verse. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? God didn't spare his own son because he loves us. And he will, along with his son, he will give us all things. He will provide for all of our needs. So let me pray for us before we share communion together. God, thank you for generously providing for our needs. God, thank you for not sparing your son as a sacrifice for us. Thank you for enduring that sacrifice to provide for our greatest need of forgiveness and relationship with you. God, as we continue this, this journey, this unfinished journey, I pray that this will be a faith journey for each one of us here, that you will make clear to us the the, the faith step you want us to take. And I know that's going to be difficult for us because of fear or hurts or pride. But God, would you help us overcome those obstacles and take our step of faith and not worry because you always keep your promises. God, I thank you that when we take that step of faith, whatever it is, that you reward us in some way. We know that you will show up in some way and provide for us and our faith muscle will grow. And you will become more and more real in our lives. God, as we continue the journey over the next few weeks together, may you do a finishing work in our church and in our lives as we do this together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.